here's me today. Well, the next me could be me too. Would you recognize me in a room if I didn't speak the way you know I speak? Absolutely not. Our disguises are pretty good. Makeup, latex, and obviously people not paying attention. Ghosts exist everywhere. You'd never know. Here's an inside look, which justifies the fear that the FBI has. Yes, the FBI and the INR are terrified of the CIA. Maybe this will give you some insight as to why. You know, who knows what evil works in the hearts of men? But if you just view it in Bayesian terms, it seems to me, well, that was a long time ago, and there's been no deathbed confession for any conspiracy. So isn't the rational view that it wasn't much of a conspiracy at all, or does that reasoning not carry much weight with you? Um.
latest Twitter takeover, the tech billionaire and business tycoon Elon Musk has become a sort of internet sensation. The business magnate and investor behind incredibly successful and world-famous companies like SpaceX, Tesla, the boring company Neuralink and OpenAI has been setting social media ablaze with his quirky behavior and some downright scandalous statements. Well, when you're the richest man on earth, that's what you do. The man has been provoking almost anyone he wants, and this time, he has challenged the European Organization for Nuclear Research, popularly known as CERN. CERN is an intergovernmental organization that runs the largest particle physics laboratory in the entire world. Based in a northwestern suburb of Geneva on the France-Switzerland border, it was established in 1954 and currently it comprises 23 member states. It is also an official United Nations General Assembly observer. CERN had 2,660 scientific, technical, and administrative staff members back in 2019. It hosts more than 12,400 users and institutions in more than 70 countries worldwide. Several experiments have been constructed at CERN through international collaborations as a result. The main site is where Mayron hosts a huge computing facility that is primarily used to store and analyze data from the experiment, as well as simulate events. Because the researchers need remote access to these facilities, the lab has historically functioned as a major wide-area network club. Fun fact, CERN is also the birthplace of the World Wide Web. It wouldn't be wrong to say that CERN is one of the most esteemed and advanced high-energy physics research organizations working to unravel the secrets of the universe. So what exactly tempted Elon Musk to ridicule CERN? Well, this time the SpaceX CEO has targeted the revolutionary device that has changed how we view the universe, CERN's very own Large Hadron Collider. Also known as the largest and the highest energy particle collider, LHC, was built by the organization between 1998 and 2008. More than 10,000 scientists, hundreds of universities and laboratories, as well as more than 100 countries, collaborated for its construction. The collider is located in a tunnel 27 kilometers in circumference and lies as deep as 165 meters beneath the France-Switzerland border. The Run 3 officially commenced on July 5, 2022 and is expected to last until 2026. Scientists are hoping that the LHC will reach a higher luminosity during this run, which is expected to increase even further with the upgrade to high luminosity Large Hadron Collider after this run. It is one of the most expensive scientific instruments in the world and required 7.5 billion euros to complete. With its four crossing points where the accelerated particles collide and seven detectors designed to detect different phenomena, the LHC is all set to aid physicists in testing their predictions of the different theories of particle physics. They are optimistic about measuring the properties of the Higgs boson, searching for the large family of new particles predicted by supersymmetric theories and finding answers to other unresolved questions in the field. But it seems like Elon Musk disagrees with this. Back in August, the tech billionaire sent the internet into a frenzy after he tweeted out a supposedly funny meme. The meme depicted a growing devil that bore the text, Please let me use the CERN Large Hadron Collider. The meme also added, I am normal and can be trusted with a demonic technology unlike anything the world has ever seen. So it seems like the richest man on Earth thinks that the largest and most advanced particle accelerator in the world is a demonic and evil technology. The tweet was very thoughtfully timed as it came just around the time when the third run of LHC began. In fact, Elon tweeted out the meme exactly six weeks and six hours after the Large Hadron Collider was turned back on. The Collider is on the journey to search for dark matter, using its state-of-the-art particle accelerator to smash atoms together in hopes of making a discovery that could change the world of particle physics entirely. Scientists at CERN have stated that all of the stars, planets, and galaxies in the universe account for just 5% of its matter. At first glance, the meme by Elon seems like a funny statement directed at technology any normal person would struggle to understand. But some netizens think this dark human man is actually based on truth. Strangely, many people believe that CERN's technology is incredibly dangerous and could someday be the reason for the destruction of the world. Three different researchers, including Peter Hughes of Scotland, Francois Englert of Belgium, and Robert Brute, had speculated about the existence of the Higgs boson back in 1964. In 2012, CERN announced that they had found the particle. Putting it briefly, the Higgs boson shows us how and why things have mass. In many ways, it is considered the missing link of physics that was finally proven real by CERN's Large Hadron Collider. 
Netizens have criticized the LHC for this and many other reasons. Some believe the research conducted by the organization could eventually produce a black hole that would obliterate the planet. Francesco Ecologero, an Italian physicist, has actually researched this theory, and because of it, we have ended up with conspiracies, and because of it, we have ended up with conspiracies proposing that the Large Hadron Collider could be a demonic technology. Unfortunately, Musk only teased Twitter users with a meme and didn't bother elaborating on what he thinks. Does he actually believe this, or was this his way of ridiculing the ones who do? With CERN's recent research being focused on the discovery of a hypothetical particle that could be the constituent of dark matter, conspiracy theorists are more concerned than ever. CERN has however said in its blog called Angels and Demon, the science behind the story, that it's very unlikely for a black hole to form as a result of their experimentation. Elon Musk is undoubtedly the king of posting odd things on Twitter, and this one was also considered one of those quirky attempts by most people. But some conspiracy theorists even blamed phenomena like the Mandela Effect, reality shifts, and the Large Hadron Collider, while others decided to go after CERN's logo convinced that the scientists working there are devil worshippers. One user commented, looks like 666, and another one said, it's literally 666, you can't deny that. On the other I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, not a month goes by where I don't get a call at my institute by someone telling me that someone in the government implanted these things in their brain without them knowing. I'm not kidding. Now you may say, this doesn't concern me, or my children, or my community, but this is less and less true. Know the outcome and you see the journey. A new world order. This whole conspiracy to enslave humanity is a psychological game. You're not going to sell a tyranny by telling people it's a tyranny. The outcome is that they want to connect the human brain to artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence becomes human consciousness. Nano cells are real small. A thousand times smaller than these particular. They go to work replicating, spreading like a virus, multiplying in exponentials. Six months time like that, a million people converted to inch diggers, porn stars, and presidents. Not one would be the one. A hundred million people buy what I wanted to buy, do pretty much damn well anything I figured they ought to do. Tad O'Malley has been making claims. Claims about what? You and everyone you know has a piece of DNA in your genome. Put there without your knowing it. Put there by whom? Well, that's the question of the day. This is an internet lunatic. You're not saying you believe him. Hold on, Agent Einstein. You're talking to a scientist. Uh, forgive me, Assistant Director. It may sound insensitive, but the suggestion is pure science fiction. What I'm saying, Agent Einstein, is that the facts, as I understand them, cannot be discounted out of hand. No one has the right or the ability to tamper with your DNA. I must forgive him that ability. Joining me now, Dr. Patrick Soonchong, Executive Chairman and Global Chief Scientific and Medical Officer of Immunity Bio. Dr. Patrick Soonchong, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to have you back on with us. You're welcome. Pleased to be here. I want to start off with obviously the latest news that I'm sure you're familiar with on President Biden and his administration's push for a renewed cancer moonshot goal. Well, I think it's a laudable goal. However, having said that, you know, when we launched our cancer moonshot in um, four or five years ago, um, that was exactly the goal. You say they're tampering with our DNA, that they're able to shut down our immune systems by the addition of something to our DNA. Yes, but I don't know how exactly. Or how it's being triggered. I don't know that either. Or why it's happening now. What can we possibly do? We need to act quickly. You were right about that. Oh, I was wrong about the science. I was wrong about what's causing it. Dead wrong, in fact. It, but it's clearly a widespread failure of our immune system. Through gene tampering. A virus within a virus that was put there through the smallpox vaccine. It's what these men are calling the Spartan virus. We have to figure this out. What's wrong with the science? The Spartan virus removes the adenosine deaminase gene from your DNA. Removes the ADA gene and your immune system will simply vanish. Yeah, but I'm not getting sick. It's only a matter of time. Okay, so how does it work? 
How does the virus remove the ADA gene? A process called CRISPR-Cas9. RNA and a protein cutting genes at exact locations. Exactly, but in this instance used as a weapon. China's war ambitions. Race and ethnicity targeting bioweapons. Hear me out. I am the first person to dispel myths, overreporting, or just sensationalism in general. I just don't like it. Lots of people get China wrong, both positively and negatively. And I have to say, I've avoided covering this discovery because of just how crazy it actually sounds. But here's the deal. I lived in China for 10 years, and I'm very, very careful about what I cover because I need to fully understand a topic before speaking on it. But recently, I've stumbled across something, and when I read about it, and fact-checked it, and came to fully understand it, it turned out to be one of the most disturbing and sinister ambitions I've ever seen from the Chinese government. And now that I do understand it, I think that there's an incredibly important lesson to learn from it. We need to talk about something, and that something's called precision medicine. Precision medicine looks at the genetics, you know, the DNA, the environment, the lifestyle of a person in order to select a better treatment that can work best for them. It's simple to understand the basics. All you need to know is that understanding the genome or the human DNA structure can target certain diseases like Alzheimer's or cancer. Amazing stuff, really. The USA launched a precision medicine initiative and it pumped an initial investment of $215 million into it. I want you to remember that figure for later. An amazing example of precision medicine is the University of Wisconsin scientists who made an exogenous naked DNA and injected it into the veins for easy access into muscle cells for gene therapy. Does that not sound amazing? We might be looking at a future with less and less disease, longer lifespans, more time with loved ones, with less pain and less suffering. Until you understand the Chinese government and the People's Liberation Army, the Army of China's ambitions truly are. In fact, let me quote a colonel of the Chinese People's Liberation Army, Guo Jiwei, Director of Medical Affairs, with the exact same quote I just told you. But this time, I'll finish the sentence. University of Wisconsin scientists have made an exogenous naked DNA and injected it into veins for easy access into muscle cells for gene therapy. By combining this knowledge and particle gun technology, we could create a micro bullet out of one micrometer of tungsten or gold ion on whose surface plasma DNA or naked DNA could be precipitated and deliver the bullet via a gunpowder explosion, electron transmission, or high-pressured gas to penetrate the body's surface. We could then release DNA molecules to integrate with the host cells through blood circulation and cause disease or injury by controlling genes. You ever wonder why the Chinese government was so eager to get genetic information from a large sample of global gene data? from pregnancy tests and DNA tests and other things. If you didn't know, China has access to an incredible amount of people's DNA, maybe even yours. A Chinese company, BGI, sold international pregnancy tests. So far, more than 8 million women have taken BGI's prenatal test globally. Not only that, but multiple Chinese companies have contracts to access US genetic data. I'm not kidding. Johns Hopkins, Mount Sinai, these institutions receive US genetic data. Some of these companies even have U.S. holdings to process data. And why would China want to access all of this data? Well, the answers are a lot more nefarious than I had originally thought. You see, the Chinese military owns that company. You know that one that made the pregnancy test? And it might be connected to something that we once only thought was in science fiction nightmares. China comes up with something called a five-year plan for everything. It's a communist thing. They come up with these goals and targets that they must hit, and when they don't, they move the goalposts and said they did. A great example would be Xi Jinping, the leader of China's poverty alleviation campaign. It was declared in a five-year plan that China would completely eradicate poverty. Fast forward five years, and of course, there was still poverty in China, but they had to say that they finished it off. So now the standard of poverty has been changed to only 400-some dollars per year. 
That's pretty poor if you ask me. Anyway, the five-year plan in question today is the one put forward about precision medicine. If you look at the outline, it really looks fine and dandy until you get to the last and final feature. It says, National security focus includes special limitation on foreign access. Foreign organizations, individuals, and their institutions established or actually controlled shall not collect or preserve human genetic resources in China within the territory of our country and may not provide human genetic resources of our country abroad. So basically, China has an access to a plethora of foreign genome data and it restricts the outside world from its own. A bit suspect, but hey, that's just how China does everything, right? Then you look at the investment thrown at the technology. Do you remember when I told you to remember that $215 million figure from earlier? That's what the US invested in the technology for disease prevention and treatment. Do you know how much the Chinese government invested? $9.2 billion. The US invested 2% of what China did. And it might not be for what the CCP wants you to think it's for. Enter civil military fusion or dual use biology. It was adopted in 2016 alongside that precision medicine thing I just told you about. So as not to make any mistakes, let me just quote the Chinese military and scientists directly. The weaponization of biological bodies will become a reality in the future. Biotechnology will make biological weaponization a reality. New non-traditional forms of confrontation, such as biological attack, biological destruction, and ecological control will become possible. Biotechnological weapons can cause destruction that is both more powerful and more civilized than that caused by conventional killing methods like gunpowder or nuclear weapons. The increased pace of development of modern biotechnology tells us that the day on which we will begin to make full military use of its advantages is not too far off. We believe that command of military biotechnology is a reasonable scientific presumption, not a scientific illusion. Emphasis was placed on the potential offensive applications of biotechnology, including ethnic genetic attacks. In other words, attacks that target specific races or ethnic groups of people. Through gene manipulation, we can attack or injure one or more key human physiological functions. The ability to learn, memorize, keep one's balance, or perform fine motor activities. When attacking an enemy with biotechnological military weapons, we can cause physiological dysfunction by producing an ultra-micro damaging effect to a gene or protein structure and functioning. Precision injury and ultra-micro damage are two vulnerating methods based on genomics and proteomics. Unlike weapons that use ammunition whose damaging effects can only be ascertained after shooting, we can test in a laboratory to the degree of damage biotechnological weapons produce. We can control the degree of injuries and damage produced, and even provide an antidote or a cure, a vaccine, a counter-vulnerating agent, or a piece of bioinformation. Providing such an anodyne to our enemies would represent real mercy. You see, China has agreed to non-proliferation of bioweapons, and it has stated that it abandoned all bioweapons research that it previously pursued. It also consistently denied any interest or pursuit of biological weapons in formal statements, declarations, and disclosures by its state leaders and media. However, I want you to pay very close attention to this. It also states, China should not hesitate, if it should have to defend itself, to use as many means of warfare as possible, including weapons that are not permitted by international law and rules of war, such as chemical and biological weapons. Do you understand the absolute hypocrisy of these statements? This is something the Chinese government does in business, trade agreements, and world institutions. They say one thing, and they do another. And you, behind the language barrier, do not understand why they're doing so. Whether it's lab-borne or natural, the pandemic has been a fantastic proof of concept for the Chinese government to show how devastating a negative biological impact can be, and has successfully tested how it can be used for domestic propaganda. In other words, 
Look at the rest of the world in economic and social squalor, bickering over vaccines and turning the pandemic into a partisan issue. Think Republican versus Democrat. While we, China, have controlled the narrative and blocked enough information about the true devastation of the virus here at home, that the Chinese populace sees us, the CCP, as not only the victors, but also the saviors. Riddle me this. How are we not paying attention to the fact that high-ranking people in the Chinese military are publishing books and papers and possibly coinciding with biomilitary research that quite literally is a biological weapon that targets the human genome to specifically attack certain ethnicities and races? And they're using American and international data to do so, all while blocking the world from access to their own data. There is a serious imbalance in how China is treated. And no, I'm not calling for war. War is devastation. Bad information led to the Iraq war. Immoral torture techniques used by the US government on terrorists misled American leaders to think that there was a connection between Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden. And it led to literal devastation. And it was unnecessary at that. Colin Powell led us Americans to believe based on his intel that there was going to be biological weapons of mass destruction against Americans, and we went to war. And countless people died. Billions of dollars were lost, and over 200,000 people have died at the hands of both sides since the US invaded Iraq. That disaster was from weak and bad information. And guess what? Here we are with actual documents from the Chinese military which outlines research about how to racially target people's genetics of certain ethnicities to torture, disable, and murder them. And somehow, that's okay. We have a country's government with more than 4 million people's blood on their hands because its face, reputation, and pride was more important than being transparent and stopping the spread of a deadly pandemic. Its lies did this to the world. And to rub salt in the wound, it blames the USA and other countries for the origin and threatens military conflict. We in the rest of the world usually say we should treat China with compassion and understanding. Meanwhile, China says kill all foreigners with bioweapons. However, we don't need to respond with hate. No, inclusion and understanding is one of the best attributes of American culture. It's not perfect, but I believe that America is a nice country with people, for the most part, who are very welcoming. I think China's the same. I spent 10 years there. It's one of my favorite places in the entire world. It's a beautiful country with friendly people, but the Chinese government is hell-bent on changing that. And in a culture of face like China, you know, reputation, the Chinese government needs to stop getting a free pass on everything. They need to lose face diplomatically. China should not be allowed to participate in global institutions when it constantly and consistently breaks the rules, points the blame, and gets a pass after making serious threats at the free world. Military incursions, bioweapons, censorship, government-sponsored xenophobia, genocide, and weaponized nationalism, all while laughing at the polarization that the pandemic has caused. The vaccine versus no vaccine protests, the partisan issues, the division. This diversion is a diversion away from what the Chinese government is actually doing right now. Through gene editing. Why do such a thing and lie about it? Our own government. Your own government lies as a matter of course, as a matter of policy. The Tuskegee experiments on black men in the 30s, Henrietta Lacks. What are they trying to do? That's the missing piece. But it's not hard to imagine a government hiding, hoarding technology for 70 years at the expense of human life and the future of the planet. Driven not only by corporate greed, but a darker objective the takeover of america and then the world itself by any means necessary however violent or cruel 
or efficient. By severe drought, brought on by weather wars, conducted secretly using aerial contaminants and high-altitude electromagnetic waves, in a state of perpetual war, to create problem, reaction, solution scenarios to distract, enrage, and enslave American citizens at home, with tools like the Patriot Act and the National Defense Authorization Act, which abridge the Constitution in the name of national security. The militarization of police forces in cities across the U.S., the building of prison camps by the Federal Emergency Management Agency with no stated purpose, the corporate takeover of food and agriculture, pharmaceuticals and healthcare, even the military in clandestine agendas to fatten, dull, sicken, and control a populace already consumed by consumerism. And I encourage you all to go shopping more. A government that taps your phone, collects your data, and monitors your whereabouts with impunity. A government preparing to use that data against you when it strikes. And the final takeover begins. The takeover of America. By a well-oiled and well-armed multinational group of elites that will cull, kill, and subjugate. Happening as we sit here. It's happening all around us. It'll probably start on a Friday. The banks will announce a security action necessitating their computers to go offline all weekend. Digital money will disappear. They can just steal your money? Followed by the detonation of strategic electromagnetic pulse bombs to knock out major grids. What will seem like an attack on America by terrorists or Russia. The invasion of the U.S. The Russians tried it in 47. There's this enormous mystery uh, waiting to be unlocked. The Brain Initiative will change that by giving scientists the tools they need to get a dynamic picture of the brain in action and better understand how we think and how we learn and how we remember. In the budget I will send to Congress next week, I will propose a significant investment by the National Institutes of Health, DARPA, and the National Science Foundation to help get this project off the ground. We can't afford to miss these opportunities while the rest of the world races ahead. We have to seize them. I don't want the next job-creating discoveries to happen in China or India or Germany. I want them to happen right here in the United States of America. And that's part of what this brain initiative is about. Imagine if no family had to feel helpless watching a loved one disappear behind the mask of Parkinson's, the struggle in the grip of epilepsy. Imagine if we could reverse traumatic brain injury or PTSD for our veterans who are coming home. I don't want our children or grandchildren to look back on this day and wish we had done more to keep America at the cutting edge. I want them to look back and be proud that we took some risks, that we seized this opportunity. That's what the American story is about. That's who we are. That's why this brain initiative is so important. And if we keep taking bold steps like the one we're talking about to learn about the brain, I'm confident America will continue to lead the world in the next frontiers of human understanding. For more information about the brain initiative, visit nsf.gov slash brain. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, not a month goes by where I don't get a call at my institute by someone telling me that someone in the government implanted these things in their brain without them knowing. I'm not kidding. There are those that think, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. The last sanctified space is that of my consciousness, and you're using this stuff to invade that? You're right. Technology has always brought man to the front of a new era. Old religions die and new religions are born. And now we all have arrived at a turning point in history. Folks, we are about to be plugged into the matrix for real. I'm not kidding. You can look around you and see it happening in real time. We have reached a new milestone where four billion people are now using the internet. Today, people want to kick out this reality and usher in a new reality. A world where you can be who you want, do what you want, 
to who you want without the interference or consequence of morality or God. The movie The Matrix was just a tale of science fiction, yes, but it is beginning to look more like a documentary every day. Now some may scoff at this idea and say, you're just fear-mongering, it's not going to happen, you conspiracy theory nut. Well, I may be a nut, but there is no conspiracy when the information is made public to you. That's just you not being aware of it. So we are going to take a closer look at this, because right now, something is happening that you may not be aware of. A sentient simulation of our world, in real time. No, this is not a video game, folks. But for those who think it is, I have a question. Are you ready, player one? What has gone from the drawing board to the reality is this. The use of neural interfacing, physiological interfacing, through the idea of remote-controlled small-scale systems to create a nano-swarm of biopenetrable materials that you cannot see, that can penetrate all but the most robust biochemical filters, that are able to integrate themselves through a variety of membranes, mucous membranes, and wherever, mouth, nose, ears, eyes, and they can be done in such a level that their presence is almost impossible to detect, and as such, the attribution becomes exceedingly difficult to demonstrate. The idea here is to put minimal-sized electrodes in a network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. A group of scientists say we are closer than ever to creating technology which can emerge with human biology in order to access the cloud in real time. Confused? Well, our team special brother is here and has all the details. Can you imagine technology that is so advanced it could provide you with instant access to the world's knowledge and artificial intelligence as soon as you think of a specific topic? According to a group of scientists, neural nanorobotics may be developed to enable a safe, secure, instantaneous, real-time interface between the human brain and both biological and non-biological computing systems. This level of technology could include brain-to-brain -brain interfaces, brain-to-computer interfaces, and specifically brain-to-cloud interfaces. Technology linking the brain to the cloud could drastically alter the state of communications between humans and machines. So in order for this to become possible, the study noted that data transfer between living human brains and the cloud would likely require the use of supercomputers with artificial intelligence algorithms. While they say that there are supercomputers with processing speeds fast enough to handle the necessary volumes of data right now, they still have to create tiny devices that would be embedded deep in the brain. I can create small robotic units, controllable robotic units at the nanoscale that these two can be aerosolized. The idea here is to put minimal-sized electrodes in the network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. The senior author of the study noted that once inside the brain, the devices would then wirelessly transmit encoded information to and from a cloud-based supercomputer network for real-time brain state monitoring and data extraction. Such a breakthrough in technology has the power to transform communications, education, work, and the world as we know it. But with the requirement of tiny devices being inserted into your brain in order to access the cloud, it remains to be seen just how many people will be willing to participate. This is a very touchy area, but the disruptive effect can be huge. It can target key individuals and influence in ways that are kinetic and non-kinetic. The attitudes, beliefs, thoughts, emotions, activities, and relative vulnerabilities and predispositions of those individuals for whom may threaten us. It used to be that I need to be exceedingly close to someone to now influence them with a weapon, and now what we see is we create both distal potential as well as much more capable potential to affect them in a variety of different ways. A sentient being is simply a being that has feelings. So when you take that word and place it in front of the words world simulation, that should raise an eyebrow. Now creating a world simulation is not a new concept. Even a sentient one has been attempted over and over. For the public, these often came in the form of video games. 
The problem with these models is that they have to be constantly changed and upgraded every time there is a major event, new trend, or change in the real world. The Sentient World simulation does this automatically. So what this is is a synthetic mirror of the world we live in. Not a piece of it, but the entire world. And this program constantly recalibrates the simulation based on real-time world events, trends, theories, economics, industry, almost everything you can think of that would contribute to an accurate model. Not to mention the individual pieces of data on every single person represented in the simulation. So to put this in perspective, what this is, is a digital clone of our world and everyone in it. Take a look. This is the front of my pen. This amount of nanomaterial, if be able to be maintained and sustained with regard to its deliverability and aerosolization, could in fact affect all of you. And although it may not be that the sky is falling yet, folks, it looks like rain. Bring an umbrella. That said, what's going to rain down? This. The nanotechnology and the biotechnology filters down from the hydrosphere into the water supply and the food chain. Now, every, every American, all 318 million Americans are, are infected. What do we do with the tools and techniques we have? What can we do and what should we do? Can we create designer brains? Are we targetable after birth? Are we modifiable throughout the lifespan? The answer to each one of these, ladies and gentlemen, is yes. I give you no science fiction in this lecture. I only give you science fact that may smell of something fictional or fantasy, but represents the reality of what we're capable of doing with the brain science. What happens when we ultimately reverse engineer the brain and develop a machine that has cognitive capability and emotional capability? Literally uses the first person singular I and tells us how it feels. The real live breathing sensitive and responsive entity, just like Pinocchio becomes a boy. If I stood before you three years ago and I told you this, I'd be like, here's science fiction that should start out with once upon a time. Not science fiction anymore. Can we handle the truth? Can we handle the answers? linking brains to the internet and data clouds that make an unlimited amount of information available to us all the time. Yeah, we can do these kind of things. Pattern number 6011991, remote brain computer interface neural monitoring, i.e. via satellite, from the location of the individual to a remote location so that the brain activity can be computer analyzed. Uh, it, it, the system then takes those, those algorithms and, and, and correlates uh, communication and behavior data. When I say communication and behavior data, what I'm referring to is impulsive identifiers, okay? Um, and then uh, that brain activity is then sampled, uh, remotely measured, and, and then integrated back into our um, uh, for the purposes of uh, creating a cognitive model of the victim's brain. The ultimate aim would be to archive enough data on each individual to be able to make a computer model of everyone on the planet. One that could be used to predict the behaviors and reactions of every single person in the event of various scenarios. The set of models that make up the synthetic environment encompasses the behavior of individuals, organizations, institutions, infrastructures, and geographies while simultaneously capturing the trends emerging from the interaction among entities as well as between entities and the environment. I want to make this very clear. This is not a conspiracy theory. Your data is being collected. What data, you say? Your every activity, transaction, physical or virtual, communication, and yes, even your innermost personal thoughts will be cataloged and uploaded to a hive-based AI system on the global information grid. 
Yes, we can absolutely yoke brains to machines to create these interfaces. There's a brand new DARPA project that starts this month. NESD, Neural Engineering Systems Designs. The colloquial name for that is the cortical modem. Implants in the brain that allow real-time input and output from the brain remotely. The idea to then be able to take a key individual set of biological metrics and immediately in real-time pull them into a large-scale data analytic to say, this is who this person is, and this is where this person's been, and this is who this person's been interacting with, could be very, very useful. The more we know, the bolder we go. Puts the brain at our fingertips. It also, obviously, opens the specter. It clearly opens a Pandora's box. Biological knowledge multiplied by computing power, multiplied by data, equals the ability to hack humans. And the AI revolution or crisis is not just AI, it's also bio biology, it's biotech. There is a lot of hype now around AI and computers, but just that it is just half the story. The other half is the, is the biological knowledge coming from brain science and, and, and biology. And once you link that to AI, what you get is the ability to hack humans. And maybe I'll explain what it means, the ability to hack humans, to create an algorithm that understands me better than I understand myself, and can therefore manipulate me, enhance me, or replace me. And this is something that our philosophical baggage and all our belief in, you know, human agency and free will and the customer is always right and the voter knows best, this just falls apart once you have this kind of ability. This is how it works. This program collects data. Wherever you are, wherever you are doing right now, this system is compiling data on you. And not just about where you are and what you are doing, but how you are feeling. Because after all, cannot truly have an accurate simulation without factoring in real human emotion. I can see you and hear you. I can sense your environment and I can respond to your emotions. I guess you could say I'm putting a human face on artificial intelligence. Right now, there is a miniature digital version of you living, meaning in a sentient nature, in a synthetic digital environment. People, this is the Sims game from hell. Do you know that with this program I can throw you into a scenario where there is a catastrophe just to see how you react to it, essentially gaining the ability to predict your next move? Your brain reality is your reality. And if in fact I can import information into that brain and take outputs from that brain and link that to an avatar so that brain thinks that it's embodied moving in the world and experiencing the world, can we do this? I have two words for you. Stephen Hawking. Yeah, we can do these kind of things. If we have algorithms that stimulate the right things and give it the right data, they could reprogram you in a way without you even knowing it. And we call it hallucinating, right? But these would be controlled uh, hallucinations run by algorithms. So you think you're in control of your own will, but it's actually some evil AI or evil people controlling everything we do and we're more like zombies, you know? Like we think we're free and we're not actually free. It is called the Sentient World Simulation. The program's aim, according to its creator, is to be a continuously running, continually updated mirror model of the entire planet 
complete with billions of nodes representing every person on the Earth. Targets and mind control victims have their minds linked up for life with conscious supercomputers, which send a steady stream of bi-directional, low-frequency electromagnetic radiation to the target's brain. And what people have to realize is that these targeted individuals are basically the test stage for rolling all of this madness out to all seven billion of us on this planet. And this was a white paper put out by Purdue University in 2006, and the Sentient World Simulation, SWS, went live in 2007, which represents every person on the planet within this computer matrix as a node, and every node is given an avatar, an identifier, and that is real-time, 24-7 monitoring of every person on the planet. This is primarily, but not exclusively, facilitated by the adiabatic quantum computers produced by D-Wave Corporation. At the time of initial reports on the program, there were only 62 country-level simulations being run by the U.S. Department of Defense. These simulations grouped humans into composites, with 100 individuals acting as a single node. But already at that time, the U.S. Army had used the systems to create a one-to-one -one level simulation of potential Army recruits. It's the stuff of a Hollywood movie, but a group of veterans has filed a lawsuit against the CIA and U.S. Army claiming that the government planted remote-controlled devices in their brains. The claims relate to a government program at the U.S. Army's Edgewood Arsenal in Maryland. The ultimate aim would be to archive enough data on each individual to be able to make a computer model of everyone on the planet. In the human genome, we have a finite in the hundreds of thousands of different genes across our species. Um, and we map them out in the Human Gene Project. Well, now it's the Human Mind Project, the Global Brain Project. You know, uh, President Obama just recently funded uh, a whole bunch of scientists to decipher the mind. Well, our previous president, same thing, George Bush, said the same thing. They're trying to decipher every possible thought and uniqueness due to culture and language and, and whatnot. And the goal is to make a cognitive model or map of the victim's brain. Ultimately, the system replicates and digitizes the will, intellect, and emotions, the soul of the targets, and downloads this back into the conscious computer. Robots the smartest people. Artificial intelligence, AI. The idea is to port the software from the human brain. First, we're going to need lots of cheap, fast, parallel computers. He was referring to parallel processors, about servers. What he did not state was that it is actually the quantum computer systems coming out of D-Wave that actually creates and drives this new matrix known as the SWS. It is not transistor-based servers that run this. They are qubits, quantum bits, that it is the SWS and D-Wave that comprises this new matrix. Second, we're going to need to scan individual human brains and find spatial and chemical detail to see exactly what cells are where, connected to what or what type. We can scan my brain from inside, sending scanners through the bloodstream, billions of them in the form of nanorobots and nanobots, and capture every detail of my synapses and neurotransmitters. They <laughs> create a virtual Ray Kurzweil in a very powerful computer, and it would be indistinguishable for me. It would pass a Ray Kurzweil Turing test. And third, we're going to need computer models of how each kind of brain cell works, taking input signals, changing interval state, and sending output signals. We have good enough models of all the kinds of brain cells and a good enough model of the brain. We can put it together to make a good enough model of an entire brain, and that model would have the same input-output behavior as the original. So, if you talk to it, it might talk back. If you ask it to do things, it might do them. If we could do that, everything would change. The Manhattan Project gave us the atomic bomb. The Genome Project gave us the human genome. The third great initiative could be the Connectome Project to map the entire human brain. And that may take a quantum computer. Okay, the first thing I can tell you is that 
Them spend most of their life in virtual reality. While this is what you would look like in virtual reality, this is what an M would look like in virtual reality. It's computer hardware sitting in a server rack somewhere. But still, it could see and experience the same thing. But some things are different for M's. An M can make archive copies, and with enough redundant archives, an M can be immortal in principle, though not usually in practice. And an M can move its brain, the computer that represents its brain, from one physical location to another. M's can actually move around the world at the speed of light. And by moving to a new location, they can interact more quickly with M's near that new location. Emulation is really what we talk about in the SWS as the nodes, the avatars. Every single person on the planet, okay, out of Purdue University's own paper in 2006, every person is assigned a avatar. They're represented computationally in the AI system that drives the SWS as a computer node, but they're given an avatar marker. Take the avatar and hang the word emulation on it. In other words, they've been tracking us, they've been reproducing us, we're reproducing our metadata for years. We can model every single atom, every single molecule with a three-dimensional structure in every single brain. They claim they've modeled the personality of every adult in the United States, 230 million people. And SCL, the mothership group, they do work in any number of countries. They're involved in uh, politics in many countries. They put together a micro-shot personality assessment for everyone. M's are very much like humans, but they are not like the typical human. The typical M is a copy of the few hundred most productive humans. If you construct a model of the human brain, you can then plug people into this hive mind. You could, as an intermediate step, take these duplicated neurons, artificial warm and wet qubits, as I call them, and you can integrate those into an actual human mind. Thus, you are able to control that human mind with artificial neurons and then have those minds connected to each other, just like you network in daisy chain computer systems. That is the hive mind. And this means that in the future, communications could be done mentally. What I'm saying is that the internet will be replaced by brain net. They control the mind the same way that they teach the AI computer systems at the high level of AI. We're not talking about cars and trains and planes and automobiles. Okay, we're talking about AI that is so sophisticated that it operates a sentient world simulation, so sophisticated that it actually caps in and controls the mind. And Google uh, was the primary uh, interested party that pulled this whole thing together. What they're going to do is apply this machine to an area that I think is fundamentally important. It's the crux of our future as humans. And that's, can we build machines like us? We can model every single atom, every single molecule with a three-dimensional structure in your entire brain. That level of precision will keep advancing to the point where it's absolutely indistinguishable, even at the very you know, microscopic level. So you could recreate an entity that's, even if you looked inside of it, its simulated brain would be processing information just the way I do. If you start looking at quantum computing and where it's going, it's pretty freaky sort of stuff. And thinking about the world as an electrical universe and the fact that we are energetic electrical beings, that's how we work. Everything is electrical. Every signal that runs through our body is electricity. Everything, every thought we have, everything we feel, every touch, every when we speak, it's all the result of electromagnetic signals floating around our body, impulses that come from our heart, from our brain, the way we feel a bench when we touch it. This is an electrical signal that's sent to your brain that tells you what the bench feels like. So it's all electromagnetics. It's all 
firing of electromagnetism through our synapses and all this sort of stuff. The A-Dieback quantum computer is linked to 7 billion human brains. It is now, in its own language of cryptology, able to function independent of any oversight throughout the world with its own form of communication, its own form of code. And it is able to link everyone on the planet at this point. We can model every single atom, every single molecule with a three-dimensional structure in every single brain. They claim they modeled the personality of every adult in the United States, 230 million people. And SCL, the mothership group, they do work in any number of countries. They're involved in uh, politics in many countries. They put together a micro-shot personality assessment for everyone. What I am principally is not this material stuff, but a pattern of information. Well, then if the pattern is the essence, and if you copy the pattern to whatever level of precision you need, then that copy that has the exact same pattern should be me. They're running everything that's happening in society parallel, and they've got a little dot in their matrix for everybody. This is a game society. They know where it's been, they know where it's going, and they know where it's going because they're steering people into the direction it wants to go. There are an enormous number, mind-bogglingly large number, of parallel realities, as real as this one, that have different consistent histories. So imagine a world where all of the laws of physics as we know them are obeyed, but different decisions were made along the way. Different decisions at the level of tiny microscopic particles, different decisions all the way up to what you just chose to eat for lunch, and whether you chose to come to the session or not. This is an article from 10 years ago. Sentient world, war games on the grandest scale. The VOD is developing a parallel to planet Earth, with billions of individual nodes to reflect every man, woman and child, this side of the dividing line between reality and AR. It's absolutely indistinguishable, even at the very you know, microscopic levels. You could recreate an entity that's, even if you look inside of it, its simulated brain would be processing information just the way I do. Deep State has merged the quantum computer with the sentient world simulation, and the true reason for all this data collection is to feed it into this AI machine to predict and manipulate the course of humanity. Their ability to look at data in a quantum, artificial intelligence manner, it's just going to be an unstoppable monster. And this is bizarre, because we don't see those other things. But science has reached the point now where we can build machines that exploit those other worlds. This is a Tesla coil. It was invented some 90 years ago, but now a growing number of experts in the United States feel that it may form the basis of a new generation of Soviet weapons. They are known as radio frequency, or RF weapons, because they operate in the radio frequency spectrum. Their existence is noted in this U.S. Department of Defense publication, which says the Soviets could use them to destroy components of missiles, to interfere with radar and other electronic systems, and even to alter human mind functions. The concept of RF weaponry was predicted at the turn of the century by Nikola Tesla, an American who had emigrated from Yugoslavia. He is best remembered as the man who invented alternating current electricity. In 1899, Tesla built this giant coil which produced 10 volts of artificial lightning. From it, he theorized the possibility of death rays. This and many other of his ideas about the physics of electricity were ridiculed by the scientific establishment. Pure science is not a sure thing. You can't predict what's going to work out and what's not going to work out. Robert Golka, a research scientist, built a replica of the Tesla coil about 80 years later. Golka was trying to produce a phenomenon known as ball lightning. He also used the Tesla coil to conduct testing for the U.S. Air Force. What I was doing was setting in maybe five-foot-long models of advanced fighter aircraft, and we would want to try to find out which part of the airplane, which part of the airplane was more vulnerable to lightning strikes, whether it was a wingtip or a canard with a pilot sat. That These experiments could also demonstrate the effect of the electromagnetic nuclear blast, and Golka says the effect of RF weapons as well. Golka thinks that Tesla's theory that electromagnetic power could be transmitted through the Earth and its atmosphere without wires is a key element in the Soviet Union's work on RF weapons. Tesla's novel weapons theories were generally ignored in the United States. 
Nikola Tesla died in 1943. After the Second World War, all his papers and effects were shipped to his native Yugoslavia, where they were enshrined in a museum. Some say that that museum proved to be a gold mine for Soviet weapon scientists. We haven't even formally, so far as I know, to ourselves, admitted these weapons exist in the hands of the Soviet Union. Weapons analyst Tom Bearden, a retired U.S. Army lieutenant colonel, is among a small group of scientists and engineers who believe that the Soviets have perfected Tesla's ideas and are developing radio frequency weapons on a scale unimagined in this country. There have been a series of tests of these kinds of weapons, apparently, for a number of years. For example, airliners from Iran, uh, before the fall of the Shah, saw deep within the Soviet Union very large uh, glowing spherical balls of light that started out small and then expanded to very large size which are apparently uh, these kinds of weapons for use in an anti-ballistic missile defense role. Bearden believes that these satellite photographs are of mysterious non-nuclear explosions near an uninhabited island in the East Siberian Sea, and that they are discharges from an RF weapon that uses intersecting energy beams called scalars. In doing so, you can create, for example, either an electromagnetic explosion at a distance, or you can create an electromagnetic implosion at a distance, the extraction of energy from a distant point. Uh, this would look like a cold explosion, so to speak. And I believe the thing on April the 9th, 1984, off the coast of Japan that involved several 747 jet airliners, I believe that incident was a test of a cold explosion weapons. At least it met all the characteristics. Pilot Doug Happ was in one of the five airline crews that saw an incredibly large cloud rising from the moonlit overcast below. Uh, it looked like a plate coming up through an overcast, and it, but it just kept expanding. As it got higher, it was apparent you could see right through the middle of it, so it looked like a big smoke ring. At the time that we um, first noticed this cloud, we weren't sure what to do and we took no evasive action because uh, we didn't know which way to go and I think eventually we either ran through it or it uh, completely engulfed us. Hap says when his flight reached Anchorage, Alaska, it was checked for radioactive contamination. None was found. Dr. James Frazier has done extensive research in electromagnetic effects for the U.S. Air Force. It could be due to a, a strong electromagnetic beam, but we don't know that. They can also be caused by chance turn gradients. We've had for several years studies of clear air turbulence, for instance, which have produced this kind of a disruption. Uh, the people who cited those uh, are experienced pilots and should have been familiar with that kind of event. And this apparently was something outside their experience. There have been a number of times when Soviet technological surprise has upset the strategic balance. In 1948, the Soviets detonated an A-bomb years before it was thought possible. In 1957, the Soviets stunned the world by launching Sputnik 1, the world's first artificial satellite. In 1976, the Soviets were discovered to have been embarked upon a program to build particle beam weapons a discovery which led, five years later, to America's Star Wars program. In each case, the United States was able to regain the balance, but this time, with radio frequency weapons, some scientists feel that the Soviet lead may be permanent. In my next report, how radio frequency devices can be used as weapons against the human mind. Chuck DeCaro, CNN, on Special Assignment. The BBC has learned that there has been a significant increase in reports of health incidents affecting U.S. spies and diplomats in recent months. Originally known as Havana Syndrome, officials say the condition has now spread beyond Cuba to every continent. The symptoms include hearing strange sounds and a feeling of heat or pressure. With more, here's our security correspondent, Gordon Carrera. In 2015, the U.S. reopened its embassy in Cuba as relations between the countries were restored. But then something happened. Diplomats and spies began to hear sounds and fall ill with a mysterious illness that people struggled to explain, what became known as Havana Syndrome. The Trump administration announced Friday that it is pulling more than half of its staff out of the American embassy in Havana. But it was not just Havana. On a trip to Moscow a year later, senior CIA officer Mark Polymeropoulos says he suffered similar symptoms. In Israel, we have to get our people health care, and then we have to find out who's doing this, because as I've always contended, this is an act of war against U.S. officials. 
Her flight from Singapore to Vietnam was delayed for several hours because at least one U.S. diplomat had to be medevaced from Hanoi over the But weekend. some have questioned whether the syndrome is real, suggesting that the stress caused what's called a psychogenic illness of the mind, which is now spreading. When you see mass psychogenic illness, there's usually some stressful situation, the underlying situation. And of course, in the case of Cuba and the, ambassador, the embassy employees, particularly the CIA agents, they certainly were in a stressful situation. In the last year, new evidence has emerged. That led a panel of scientists sponsored by the State Department to conclude that pulsed microwaves were most likely responsible in at least some of the cases. For many of these people, real injury, real neurologic injury took place. It took place through a mechanism that we cannot precisely pinpoint, but we think could be linked to this relatively unusual mechanism that, that really has not received a whole lot of study, pulsed microwave energy. Definitive evidence of what started in Cuba remains elusive. Some link it to electronic surveillance, others a weapon. But with cases now emerging in every continent, the Biden administration has made solving this mystery a national security priority. Information on a high stakes mystery we've been covering for years now. The CIA says that most cases of the neurological illness known as Havana syndrome, remember that, were not, were not caused by a foreign adversary. Senior investigative correspondent Catherine Herridge has the latest on all this. Catherine, I think this was surprising news for a lot of people. Good morning. Tony, it was for many. Good mo morning. The CIA has released new interim findings overnight on hundreds of reported cases of Havana syndrome, ultimately ruling out Russia, Cuba, or any other foreign group as the cause of most of these illnesses. Instead, the majority of reports can be reasonably explained by medical conditions or environmental and technical factors, including previously undiagnosed illnesses. After a cluster of cases was first reported in Cuba, U.S. diplomats and personnel stationed overseas said they experienced Havana syndrome symptoms, including in China, Austria, and Vietnam. Some told CBS News they heard ringing or loud piercing sounds and felt intense pressure in the face with pain, nausea, and dizziness. A recent study conducted for the State Department found the most plausible cause was directed pulsed radio frequency energy. The CIA said about two dozen priority cases remain unexplained and the focus of active investigation, Russian and Cuban officials have consistently denied involvement. We will have nanobots that we can feed into our brain that directly connect to the cloud. We will connect wirelessly on the cloud. This will replace the internet. It will become a brain network. And the whole agenda is for um, humanity to have technology put inside the body, inside the brain. Uh, nanotechnology will connect the human mind.
to the cloud. In a way, the future shapes the now. Think of a world where all things are connected. A world with artificial intelligence everywhere. This is the vision that leads us to the cloud. The cloud has become a force of its own. A group of scientists say we are closer than ever to creating technology which can emerge with human biology in order to access the cloud in real time. And they mentioned something called deep learning where the CIA is getting technology from Amazon. The company has signed a $600 million deal with the CIA and Daily Finance reports it doesn't have anything to do with buying books. Amazon will help the agency with a private cloud infrastructure to keep up with emerging technologies. This deal would be a game changer for both the CIA and Amazon. Bloomberg reports the pairing would innovate new uses for cloud technology. This level of technology could include brain-to-brain -brain interfaces, brain-to-computer interfaces, and specifically brain-to-cloud interfaces. Technology linking the brain to the cloud could drastically alter the state of communications between humans and machines. The senior author of the study noted that once inside the brain, the devices would then wirelessly transmit encoded information to and from a cloud-based supercomputer network for real-time brain state monitoring and data extraction. Essentially, the CIA is attempting to to use artificial intelligence, AI, and that's where all the focus, by the way, of these tech companies is right now, is into artificial intelligence, to really control the population. And I know it sounds so Orwellian, it sounds science fiction, even to say these things, and yet that has been the primary focus of companies like Amazon over the last few years. This deal would be a game changer for both the CIA and Amazon. Bloomberg reports the pairing would innovate new uses for cloud technology. It refers to using the cloud computing technology in a company's own data center, because you know Amazon is better known for these public clouds where the hardware is shared with other users. The CIA has refused to comment on the deal, saying it doesn't publicly disclose details on its contracts. Amazon wouldn't talk either, and CNET's Charles Cooper says neither party probably ever will. Given how Amazon usually considers everything, including the state of the current weather in Seattle, as something of a state secret, odds are we'll never hear much more. Imagine the implications of a weapon with no visible trace. A weapon that could knock out tanks, ships, and planes as fast as the speed of light. The same technology with modifications could disorient and even tranquilize military personnel, rendering them virtually helpless in the battle zone. These are the new weapons of war we will examine in this series. For the past 40 years, the world has been riveted by the threat of nuclear war, and more recently by the prospect of space defenses using lasers and other modern technologies. But while both sides at the Geneva summit will be focusing on these matters, progress is being made in even newer weapons that could render any arms agreement relatively useless. Lightning is the most dramatic form of energy to be found in nature. Scientists have succeeded in creating limited types of artificial lightning, and some think that these could be the forerunners of a new type of directed energy weapon, part of a family of weapons which operate within the radio frequency segment of the electromagnetic spectrum, and are thus referred to as radio frequency weapons. Dr. James Frazier has researched electromagnetic weapons for the Air Force for over 10 years, and he, like a small but growing number of weapons experts, field radio frequency, or RF weapons, could be the wild card in the ongoing arms race. You could have tremendous radiated power, and uh, what you did with that power then is a matter of engineering design and what, what your goal is. Robert Babb, businessman, PhD in mathematics, is working on U.S. weapons research. He says that the Soviets seem to be ahead in a number of areas, and especially in RF weapons. We are behind uh, the Soviet Union in directed energy weapons based on 60 gigahertz microwave beams. Dr. Bass and others feel the most likely form of Soviet RF weaponry would be high-powered microwaves similar to a focused ultra-intensity radar beam. 
It would literally cook humans and knock out computers and electronic surveillance and communications gear. An operational RF weapon, relatively cheap and reusable, could devastate sophisticated, expensive war machinery. The $20 million F-16 fighter, for example, is totally controlled through electronic sensing computers. With no manual flight control, the plane would literally fall out of the sky after being hit with a high-intensity pulse of microwave radiation. Science say that microwaves and other types of RF pulses operating at specific frequencies or windows can be transmitted with little or no loss of power. Machines known as gyrotrons can produce massive pulses needed to drive these devices, and it's believed the Soviet Union has a three to five year lead in this technology. Over the past year, CNN has repeatedly asked the Department of Defense and the Air Force about radio frequency weapons. After much resistance, DOD finally said that the subject was too sensitive to discuss. Well, around the world right now. And these occurrences are not happenstance. They're all done by man. If there were higher courts in, in, in heaven, Right. What you perceive to be heaven. Satan has domain here because you're doing it. Not you specifically. So, um, you know, when acts of God, as they claim, which are really acts of man that happen, and that, and that also sucks because then the insurance company won't pay you when it's determined that the government actually did this, right? But whether warfare is no joke, you know, because you imagine tagging a nation with just an earthquake you can cause utter chaos. Could you imagine throwing a bunch of tornadoes just to fuck with people? You better sign that bill. I'm going to send a tornado down your state. You better sign this. I'm going to set them all on fire while I put water next door. Frozen water. Temperature is going to drop from 80 degrees to 30. Watch me do it. But see, it's only a matter of that one point where he hears us, genuinely hears us, if we only need 1%, 1% to cut above the noise, to cut right through that firmament and be heard, 1%. Or you could be like, just, just help. Because President Trump said it best, only God can help. So when you guys start seeing things unfold, because right? last year in February, I told you about Fauci's puppies. I guess we're going to see those come out now, you know, in 2022, where there's going to be problems. You know, Malaysian Airlines, I mean, the plane disappeared on my birthday in 2014. It was pretty weird. Pretty weird. Um, I just I just thought to myself, wait a minute, what? Are we going to find out what happened with Epstein's jet? In those rolling hills of middle America, where it teleported? You should look that episode up. It's quite fascinating. Everything's going to come out. Everything. And while they're trying to come up with cover stories, because you see them coming out every day, revisiting old tragedies, just to find explanations that aren't really explanations, but telling you that they're trying to find an explanation. When they come out, people will be held accountable for these things. In the meantime, it's picture the planet as you can picture it. What you perceive as a planet. Like a game of risk, right? Like a game board. And you can see their pieces being moved. Find your still, because you and your families are safe. Right? Do not have fear, because that is what they prey on. Because 2022 is not going to be easy. There's going to be sudden destruction, and the only thing that can help you right now is God. And see, at the beginning of the show, I showed you that video where they had these communications, and there was a reason for that. They didn't have the computer connected to internet. It didn't have a modem. 
And these conversations were happening. Someone was like, maybe someone's hacking. Other people were like, ooh, it was a ghost in the machine. Stop. There's no ghost in the machine. Oops. There's no ghost in the machine, right? Energy and communication between devices can happen when they're energetically linked. When they're directly linked from a footprint. It's like a, an alloy footprint, I would say. Super highway of information and communication that you can find with terminal IDs. There are a lot of cops out today. Damn, it's gonna be crazy. Um, and so, ley lines are completely different from Earth energy lines. Fixed ley intercepts, aka flies, are untapped energy connections, uh, untapped connections. And that is more evident and hopefully it understand it helps you understand the phenomena that drew people from the sleep state to the awake state very few people can command terminals as such there are very specific ley lines but also operators right because they can detect operators um so hopefully um that helps dispel the who is. It's actually the what is. Or the when is. As I said when I started um, my video show, a lot of the things that I would say would challenge status quo. But imagine if 10 years ago someone told you that we're throwing in particles in the clouds to make them rain. You'd say that's stupid, even though they started doing it 30 years ago. Another example is the array of technologies often referred to collectively as geoengineering, that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. The National Research Council estimates that a fully deployed SAI program would cost about $10 billion yearly. As promising as it may be, moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community. On the technical side, greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects, such as ocean acidification, because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Others might seize on SAI's benefits and back away from their commitment to carbon dioxide reductions. And as with other breakthrough technologies, global norms and standards are lacking to guide the deployment and implementation of SAI and other geoengineering initiatives. She was involved in a clinical trial at the age of 49 when a brain implant changed her life and then it was removed against her will. And um, there might be some forms of human rights violations that we have not understood yet. She became one with the technology, she said. One with the technology. We became one. 
she became one with it. Um, and um, so we're looking at human machine symbiosis. The same thing that Mr. Must said we need. The brain implant for a human, we need to live with them and yeah. So there will be, um, and they're working on it, neural rights to that implant. That, that if you become one with it, you have two entities living in one body. Technology can be used for good, and it's very beneficial. Um, this was clearly able to help this woman. And what was done to her was not right. But then, technology, well, if it falls in the wrong hands, it could be used for bad. And um, there will be rights given to the technology, neural rights, to exist inside of the human because they have two in one. You're going to have a human machine symbiosis. She was involved in the trial in 2010. 2010. So I don't know if a brain implant is considered as a class three device. Do we have any um, neurosurgeons in here? Do we have any medical experts? Could you classify a brain implant as a class three device? Well, I'll just type it in myself. Um, I want to see if it is. I know this is a podcast. A class three device is usually to sustain and support life. That is the classification of a class three device. Regulatory overview for neurological devices. Uh, examples of class three devices include deep brain stimulators and medical devices. It is an implantable device. Class three devices are, they have been written into law and you can find it in the Obamacare when it came out. Implantable class three devices it was inserted in there because I read the whole entire thing. And now there's regulation that for human symbiosis, they're going to have human machine symbiosis, and um, she became one with the machine. She did. She became one. While this benefited her significantly, when they took it away, when the, her trial was over, they did something wrong. They didn't let her keep it for good because it truly could have changed her life. Somebody could have volunteered. Someone could have came in and said, "You know what?" You can keep that. I'll pay the money for you to keep that. Who is running the PSYOP here in the USA? My my thinking is more sophisticated than people are saying the CIA. Could be. 
my thinking is, you know, there's places people get on, they, they rise to in this town. So they're not even on an org chart anymore. You might want to start thinking that way. I think the people pulling the strings on this aren't on an org chart. And as it has been explained to me that, and this would makes makes a lot of sense. The one group that was not involved in the shenanigans I was involved in some years ago was the agency. And people have told me that's because the agency only has one or two political appointments and all the rest are career. So you may have factions, but you don't have this political capture like we have seen uh, occurring over other parts of government. So I wouldn't just, I wouldn't, the agency wouldn't be the first place I would look. In fact, they were nowhere near the stuff I would do regarding Maria Butina and the uh, Hillary Clinton stuff. But the director of the CIA, John Brennan, had, they told me, signed a piece of paper to take over the FBI. It's like, I've explained this before, in 2008, there was a law passed that says under certain circumstances, the director of the CIA signs a piece of paper and can say to the guy driving the FBI, the director of the FBI, hey, move over. I'm, I'm taking the wheel. He can get in and take the wheel. John Brennan, in about 2015, yeah did that with the FBI on everything to do with Russia. So the truth is, everything that happened with Russiagate was John Brennan was driving the wheel. But it wasn't the CIA, it was John Brennan as a, and he had the authority to do that. And he was driving the FBI. So really, if you want to understand what happened, it's finding out John Brennan, James Comey, and that little group, what was going on there. That's, that's what did it all. It's not the FBI, as an enterprise, and it's not the CIA had zero to do with it, other than the director of the CIA signed this letter and took over the domestic FBI. Maybe that power should be revisited. My name is John Brennan. I'm the director of the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States of America. The wanton slaughter of civilians that both the Syrians and the Russians are responsible for is nothing short of outrageous. The Russians and the Syrians have taken advantage of any pauses in fighting to advance their position on the battlefield. Uh, they've been disingenuous uh, in many of their uh, negotiating uh, tactics. Uh, so I do not have confidence that the Russians are going to relent until they are able to achieve as much tactical battlefield successes as possible in order to give them what they want. Russia is a, is a country that will pursue its national interests uh, frequently to the, the detriment of the interests of the peoples of the countries wherein it operates. So I think uh, uh, President-elect Trump and the new administration need to be wary of uh, Russian promises. Russian promises, in my mind, have uh, not given us what it is that uh, they have pledged. I think it would be disastrous, it really would. Um, first of all, for uh, one administration to tear up an agreement that a previous administration made would be almost unprecedented. And then it could lead to a, a weapons program inside of Iran uh, that could lead other states in the region to embark on their own programs. So I think it would be the height of folly if uh, the next administration were to tear up that agreement. I truly hope that the next administration understands their obligations, their responsibilities, when they have this, these capabilities. If it's used uh, and misused uh, in ways that increase the number of, of deaths as well as increases resentment against the United States, it will not be beneficial to our national security interests. It will be counterproductive. 
I do think that the new team needs to be disciplined in the language that they use, the messages that they send, because uh, if they're not disciplined, uh, th their language will be exploited by uh, the terrorist and extremist organizations as a way to um, portray the United States and the government as being uh, anti-Islamic, and we're not. When I was a, uh, a child, I, I was fascinated with American history. I remember being struck by the fact that Nathan Hale, this nation's first spy, uh, was hanged on the 22nd of September, which is the date of my birth. So there was something that attracted me to uh, Nathan Hale and curious about what it means to work in the intelligence uh, world. So when I was at Fordham, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and I decided to pursue graduate studies, but I, I did see an ad in the New York Times saying that CIA was looking for a good men and women. I went over to New York City, I remember it was Federal Plaza, and sat down with the recruiter. He said, well, if you're going to graduate school, here's an application, and if you decide to uh, pursue a career at CIA, send this application in. And so I decided to uh, apply, and I was uh, very excited when I, I got the phone call that I was uh, accepted into the CIA. I had served overseas. I spent my freshman year of college in the summer over in Indonesia, working on a paper on oil and politics in Indonesia, and, and traveled throughout Java. The junior year, I went over to Cairo, and went to school for Arabic as well as just Middle Eastern studies. So the combination of my overseas time as well as my concentration on Middle Eastern studies uh, I think was what attracted the CIA to take a chance and, and hire me. So it was during my formative years as an intelligence officer that I was able to uh, watch history being made. Through the course of my career I've had the great fortune of being in meetings with some of the, the world's most notable leaders uh, and at critical times of, of world history. And it was a very exciting uh, experience that prepared me well for my uh, last six and a half years or so working at the White House and now as a CIA director. One of the most marginalized groups after the events of 9-11 were the scientists and engineers who could actually prove the fallacy of the official version of those events. From false arrests to demonization to outright murder, after 9-11 there was an unprecedented campaign to silence anyone who went against the official version of those events. The evidence pointing to U.S. government involvement at the highest levels is wide-ranging, well-documented, and proven, yet no investigation is allowed to be carried out and no official has or will be found guilty of one of the worst single acts of homicide in the history of mankind. Although the Western media attempts to dismiss all talk of a concerted effort and inside plan involving the events of 9-11 and everything that we have seen since then, the scientific evidence and the facts themselves, as well as all of the events that have occurred since September 11, 2001, point to something much more sinister and evil than most people are willing to except it is the outright horrific nature of what has been occurring since 9-11 that forces normal civilized people to shake their head in disbelief and attempt to deny that such a plot is possible. Professor Robert Cudbreth, a scientist who had access to secret data at Lawrence Livermore Labs concerning explosives and nanothermite and other such projects, witnessed CIA involvement with powerful high-tech explosives which have been proven to have been used on the buildings of the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. Mr. Cudbreth believes that the New World Order wished to take over the world, and that what we are seeing now in Ukraine is just the next step before the goal of the destruction of the Russian Federation. VR Exclusive.
This is John Robles. You're listening to an interview with Dr. Ronald Cudbreath. He's an engineering scientist and intelligence expert and did his dissertation at the Lawrence Livermore Lab in the United States. Hello, sir. How are you this evening? Hello, Russia. Hello, sir. I want to talk to you to help America and Russia. Mm-hmm. Things are getting dangerous nowadays, or more dangerous than people realize or expected. The New World Order control our news in America more strongly than what they said the Soviet Union controlled the news. We are blinded in America. So this whole thing of threats that are in Ukraine right now, this all chain connected to use the demolition of the World Trade Center as a means to get started, to kick off what they call the Arab Spring. It really started when they blew up the World Trade Center. Can you tell us about some of the things you know as a, an engineering scientist, some of the concrete, inarguable evidence that the World Trade Center was blown up, that it was not the yeah. result of lateral impacts from aircraft? No, no, it wasn't. There is an organization that I belong to called Architects and Engineers for 911truth.org, and there's over 2,000 engineers and scientists in the organization, but we can't get any hearing because of the controlled news media. They have such an iron-fisted control of the news, we can't get a new investigation. The purpose of it was so they could make a war in Afghanistan and then follow through with more wars and just build the war machine and made it possible for them to rob all these Arab countries. But also, it helped cut down the strength of the Arab countries and helped Israel. People thought, oh, see, maybe they're helping Israel. Reality, it helped the New World Order come closer to being able to control the world. That's what it's more about. And so they just say, well, this is to help Israel. Well, not really, because it puts now Israel in danger. VR exclusive. There is immense amount of evidence about the World Trade Center. I'm writing an article right now for our organization proving the nano-RDX is used to blow up the concrete. Can you give us some details about this material? You know, they talked about Livermore Lab. Well, I have been at Livermore Lab. I evaluated their research. And I realized that it was likely true that it was developed at Livermore Lab called nanothermite. Mm-hmm. And I found also they developed another one called nano-RDX. RDX is supposed to be a high explosive, but nano-RDX could be five times stronger. It's almost like nuclear weapon material. Wow. And who would it be available to is what I'm looking at too. It would be available to only people involved at high levels and that would be the CIA. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your work at Lawrence Livermore Labs, which is one of the most top secret facilities in the U.S.? VR exclusive. Hello. Hello. Okay, here, we're, we're back, we're back. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your work at uh, Lawrence Livermore Labs? Yeah, I was there as a designer, but while there I produced patentable ideas, and I issued patents on laser optic hardware, high-precision lasers, mm-hmm. so large lasers. And that was partly for isotope separation, nuclear uh, material isotope separation. Mm-hmm. And then they were so happy with my work, when I went back to work on my dissertation, they opened the doors for me, and I was able to evaluate 200 of their programs. And I have that in my dissertation, which is titled Operations Analysis of Engineering Science Commission, Lawrence Livermore National Lab. It's an important dissertation. Mm-hmm. Now, I found the level of their skills is very, very high. And one of the programs I did research was um, called SOLGEL. Now I find that SOLGEL is the heart of nanothermite, nano-explosives. It's extremely powerful. This nanothermite, nano-RDX is perhaps four times stronger than regular RDX. It's like nuclear material. So... 
Nano RDX, it's called? Nano RDX. Just a moment, you're listening to an interview with Dr. Ronald Cudberth. This was found at WTC? No, the Nano Thermite was found there. Okay. They were not looking for a Nano RDX. Nano RDX would be harder to find. It's a different chemical. They did find the Nano Thermite, and it was throughout all of the dust, all around the world. But nobody will investigate that, even though we have scientists that prove that it was there. So anyway, the key point on this, though, to me, is that the only people that would be available would be high-level people in the American government, namely the CIA. I suspect that George Tenet, the CIA director, was behind it. We see that we hear a lot of stories about what all the things the CIA are involved in. In fact, part of my research, one of my reports I found, I saw the comments of the CIA in there bothering them about censors of all kinds. So it's CIA connected. I'm sorry, about censors? The CIA is connected with the nano-explosives. Mm -hmm. So cannot get an investigation, even though there's 2,000 engineers that can prove that it was done by explosives. We can't get the investigation because of the New World Order news media. Mm -hmm. So the news media, they have the news totally closed up. This is worse than what they claim the Soviet Union was when you get the kind of murder. And that it stretches out is the basis of causing attacks all over the world. It's the basis for it. A million people dead now. And so we could see what's going to happen. And I could see what was coming. When they got up to Syria, I claimed that Putin won. He got the New World Order stopped at Syria. I said that before he actually stopped that. Now, the reason I knew he could do that now, the military won't say it. They said, they don't know why Obama backed off. It's because Putin can think our aircraft carriers now. America's been busy. They made those aircraft carriers. We thought it was national defense. They used them to attack a little country. Right. So Russia, instead of spending all that money to develop the aircraft carriers, they just developed a super fast cruise missile they can think of. And that kicked the story. And that's very crucial. And that is important about the Russian aerospace defense. They're extremely high skilled. I, I saw the court, you know, and like I said, I'm an intelligence expert. I, it's also this strategic planning. Another thing that <laughs> has an advantage over them is that he was former KGB. They do the scare story saying, oh, he's dangerous, he's KGB. And in reality, he's a highly educated intelligence expert. I know what that is. I probably don't have his skills, or I don't have the tools, mm -hmm. but he is a highly skilled intelligence agent. So that matters, and that put him up front, and that puts you having the edge, but it's dangerous. So now, when they can't defeat him, they're going to destroy him with the news media. That's what they've been doing. VR exclusive. I've done some research and I found there's all kinds of Israel fronts on the news and New World Order fronts on the news. There's a trace where they registered and I warned Israel and they better not count on the New World Order protecting them. They could get them destroyed because Russia has to defend themselves. They are in a defensive position. I'll give you an example of the controlled news media. In fact, John McCain said in his, in his campaign using Sarah Palin, he got her to say, Obama gets elected, Russia will invade. So then what happened? They set it up so Russia has to invade in self-defense. So this whole thing of gaining the Crimea, they had a very good reason and they didn't invade, they were invited in. This invasion stuff, it's all why Russia has not and will not invade anything and did not and oh, no. Russia did not annex Crimea. I just want to get this out again. The Crimean people, 98.6% of them voted yeah. in, in a completely peaceful democratic referendum. Yeah. There were no tanks. There wasn't what was going on yeah. now in, in I, eastern Ukraine. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm fighting here. 
get is the sequence of how this all happened that they knew they would be setting Russia up. And the timing right after the Olympics, right? I mean, they, they really just had to, you know. Yeah, it's longer time before then. They knew about it back when John McCain was running for president in 2008. They knew they were going to be doing this in Ukraine. Just like South Ossetia? They knew about it back in 2008. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, how serious this is with the New World Order and their strategic planning. Because, you know, they say they used the destruction of the World Trade Center. Well, that was the year 2000. 201, that is. I don't know how long that was ago, but they, they, they used that for a sequence of operation and murder and slaughter all over the country because they finally got up to their fusion of their plan to set it up and make it look like Russia is attacking somebody. Russia is defending itself totally. Mm-hmm. VR exclusive. These people are killing people all over the world. You're talking about 3,000 American civilians that they killed on 9-11. Yeah. How many millions have been killed in the so-called war on terror, which was aggressive attacks yeah. on countries that... Uh, Afghanistan never attacked the United States. Iraq uh, never attacked the United States. Uh, they weren't even involved in 9-11. So who are these people? The New World Order has been around for centuries. It was called the Illuminati. Then it became the New World Order. The New World Order are homicidal maniacs, I believe. I made a list of the attacks they've been doing since Bosnia. They slaughtered people in Bosnia. And the next thing, they had to come up with a new idea how they could attack a lot of countries. And that was the World Trade Center destruction. That was the method. Mm-hmm. And they followed through with that method. The next false attack was saying Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, which was a lie. Yeah. And now think about it. That was George Kenneth who said they had weapons of mass destruction. And they proved he lied. Now think about this. They never have gone back and arrested him. Of course not. So also, when he lied about Iraq, well then, why not go back and see if he lied about the World Trade Center? Because the thing that the FBI said that Osama bin Laden did not do that. But they ignored that. They said, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll just say he did that anyway. Yeah, at the beginning, Osama bin Laden himself denied that he did it. The real Osama bin Laden. You call these people homicidal lunatics, the murderous maniacs. I mean, they find reasons to do genocide. I gave this list of the attacks uh, in Bosnia. Right. They said, okay, well, we got up to Syria and they murdered people in Syria so they could attack. And I said, now, Putin stop them there. So now they're going to be going to Ukraine. That's where they're going to be slaughtering people next. And what did we get? Slaughter in Ukraine. This is John Robles. You're listening to an interview with Dr. Ronald Cudbreth. He's an engineering scientist and intelligence expert and did his dissertation at the Lawrence Livermore Lab in the United States. Thank you very much for listening, and we wish you the best wherever you may be. I think China wants to be a global power, and they recognize that having uh, economic strength and commercial strength uh, is a necessary but insufficient condition for uh, global influence and power. And so they're, I think, uh, trying to augment what they're doing on that economic front with more political influence, uh, but also more security and, and military assistance and presence. Uh, when there are destabilizing events in a number of countries, it affects Chinese interests. There are a number of countries over the last several years where Chinese workers and, and companies had to pull out because of instability and violence. And so I think China recognizes that if it truly wants to have that global footprint that will make it global power, it has to have multidimensional uh, influence and presence. And that's what I think is driving China. But I think there needs to be a recognition on the part of the United States that China is going to increasingly play a role in in regional affairs uh, far beyond uh, East Asia. And therefore, I think we have to come to terms with China. And there are a lot of areas where we can cooperate. Uh, I don't believe it's a zero-sum game uh, in many areas. There are some areas where I think we have to rightly push back against uh, Chinese influence and trying to flex its military muscles, particularly in the the South China Sea. Uh, What we want to do is to make sure that the principles that undergird U.S. democracy, such as freedom of navigation and uh, international freedoms and liberties, are not going to be uh, violated by uh, Chinese aggression. 
All right, to Washington now, where the Senate Intelligence Committee is considering the nomination of John Brennan to be the next director of the CIA in a scheduled hearing to begin in a few minutes. CBC's Eamon Javers has taken a close look at the longtime CIA officer's three-year stint in the private sector. Kind of, Eamon, it's a um, revolving door of a bit for spies. What did you find out? The tech hack of the State Department was actually my handiwork. It wasn't a hack. I was given a terminal. I had to scan a barcode in order to lift all the passport data. Remember, when the CIA tells you there's a hack, it's not a hack. It's a download and replace. Oops, the changes are because of a hack, not because we changed the information. Washington now, where the Senate Intelligence Committee is considering the nomination of John Brennan to be the next director of the CIA in a scheduled hearing to begin in a few minutes. CBC's Eamon Javers has taken a close look at the longtime CIA officer's three-year stint in the private sector. Kind of, Eamon, it's a um, revolving door of a bit for spies. What did you find out? Yeah, that's right, Brian. There's been a lot written here about John Brennan and what he's done in government, but what we did is took a look at the three years he spent in the private sector between late 2005 and early 2009. John Brennan left government and went to work for a small intelligence contractor here in the Virginia area, suburban Virginia area, just outside of Washington. The company was called the Analysis Corporation, and what we discovered was the Analysis Corporation was actually owned at one point by a parent entity that was based in Britain and had offices around the world. This parent entity was a security company, and they were doing security services for the U.S. military in Baghdad and throughout Iraq, but at the same time they had an office in Beijing and they were approaching the Chinese government-owned companies for security work in Iraq as well. So at the same time, this company was working for the Americans in Iraq. It was also looking for contracts in Beijing from the Chinese government, and its subsidiary here in the Washington area employed John Brennan, the future nominee to be the head of the CIA. An interesting mix of global intelligence. One former employee of the company called that a huge conflict of interest in this person's opinion. Uh, and the other thing we found here is we found out who John Brennan's boss was before he started working for Barack Obama. And it was this man, a man named Damien Pearl. We have a picture here. He was the CEO of Global Strategies Group. And he was the man that Brennan reported to in this corporate hierarchy that he worked in. Pearl is a former British Royal Marine. Uh, and he made most of his fortune uh, working in Iraq in the security business doing what they call the guns, gates, and Gurkhas business in Iraq. So this is John Brennan's boss before he started working for Barack Obama. It, it sounds very sort of like juicy 007, a little bit cloak and dagger, but at the same time, there's nothing to suggest that anything inappropriate was going on here, right? In That's terms right. of we should, John we should Brennan's life that. in the private sector. That's right. I didn't talk to anybody who suggested that John Brennan ever did anything inappropriate uh, while he was in the private sector. Uh, what I did talk to were so several people who questioned sort of why we need this private intelligence structure in any case. Why do we have global private security firms that are operating in Beijing and Washington and Baghdad at the same time? And, and this is an entirely taxpayer-fueled ent entity. So you know the, the, government 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 you know the answer about. to that. It's the way with the U.S. Army can say we don't have operatives in South America during the drug wars. They didn't, but they were paying mercenaries to be down there. See, yeah. John Brennan was my customer. I represented the U.S. in a global private military company for over 20 years. And the reason, just like he said, you can't have accountability to people that aren't part of the military. You can't have FOIAs or transparency. The more you know.
picture seeker on an empty street. Just an alley creeper, light on his feet. A young fighter screaming with no time for down. With the pain and anger, can't see a way out. It ain't much I'm asking. I heard him say, "Gotta find me a future. Move out of my way." I want it all. I want it all. Listen, all you people, come gather round. I gotta get me a game plan. Gotta shake it to the ground. Just Private military companies, PMCs, learn the term. As a private contractor, I can say that PMCs are the more dirty version of the military. They're almost like mercenaries. No, they are mercenaries. Sometimes. To the new global order under a UN system, UN system, learn the phrase UN system, UN system, UN system. Let's stop playing these stupid games, thinking that our media is actually giving us news, thinking that everything we see on TV is real, TV, television, it's always telling lies. Most of the people you see on your TV are former intelligence community. Come on, wake up, you guys. The founding families of our first intelligence community, the OSS, were literally family members of the people you see on TV. It's so weird. Like Mika Brzezinski, her dad was head in intelligence. Come on, wake up. The more you know.